You look just like I did at your age. Please don't say that thing. I'm 16 years old. I'm not a child. Don't you take that tone of voice with me, young lady. Love you, Dad. I love you too, son. You're listening to Honey, We Made a Disney Podcast. Two friends since first grade, now dads reliving the Disney movies we grew up on with our own kids. I'm Eddie Ferguson. And I'm J.B. Wagner. And on today's episode, we dive into the grease pit as we review Atlantis, The Lost Empire. But before we go on this grand adventure, Eddie, how are you and the family doing? I'm, we're doing well. Uh we, I, I feel like we're coming a little uh, cyclical here. If you remember early on in our podcast, uh, you told of a story of getting your son a bike for his birthday. Oh, the grand adventure Eddie. that is. And that is what we did for wow. Lewis's birthday. And, well, in part, we were kind of like, ah, should we, shouldn't we, shouldn't we? And like here, there's the like a big warehouse store, kind of like Costco. Okay. Um, and that's where like once a month we'll go and we'll stock up on kind of big stuff, diapers and all that whatnot. And we're like going through way back in April, like the end of April. And they had a Spider-Man Huffy bike for like 16 bucks. Wow. That's insanely cheap. It's insanely cheap for the U.S. That's like stupid, insanely cheap for here. Like things like that usually are like double what it is in the U.S. Hmm. So we were like, I feel like we have to like we just have to, you know. Um, So I like got the kids to the car. Sarah snuck back up, bought the bike, and it's been sitting in our bathroom ever since. Um, And we were probably more excited to give this bike to him than he ever would have been to receive it. it. (laughs) Um, And so I've embarked on the grand adventure of teaching uh, a four-year-old how to ride a bike. A little, you know, it's a tad early, but with the training wheels, he's doing all right. He's doing pretty good. But it's a little hard because we do live on, like, we literally live on the side of a mountain uh, on a gravel road Mm -hmm. um, filled with you know, potholes in a gravel road. So it's not like easy. Luckily there's a local park with like a double basketball uh, court paved concrete. So we like, we go there and like, you can ride around and everything, but man, it tries my patience. You know, it's like, Ooh, here we go. Here we go. You know, teaching this baby. No daddy. You know, and it's like this, a range of emotions where he wants to go ride his bike. Then we get there and he doesn't want to do it. It's too hard. It's this, it's that, you know, so. But it's a cool Spider-Man bike with like little plastic web things all over it. And yeah, it's just, it's fun. It's cute. It's, it's annoying. It's, it's tries your patience, but it's wonderful. You wouldn't want anything else. We, we that mi- is fatherhood. We might have had a long discussion yesterday about a frozen bike that was for only $25 on Facebook marketplace. We're like, Oh, this would be perfect for sissy getting, getting her first bike. And we're, I were sitting there going, is she anywhere near able to ride a 12 inch bike? No, not even close. Is this a crazy good deal? Yes. Do we want to hold on to this bike for an entire year until her next birthday? Yeah. And then have to pull her away from it for an, no, so we had to bite the bullet and not not take advantage of that because it was like too oof. too long. Even though I'm sure next year when we go looking for a bike, it's going to be like uh, we're paying a hundred bucks when we could have paid twenty five. But I feel you. I feel you on that. Yeah, like deal is just too good sometimes. Yeah, and I mean he loves it. He's doing really good. Uh, and it is fun. It is fun. I have to send you the video because now he's he's quite proud of it. Oh yeah, he's you know very excited. Um, but. Enough about me. We discovered that uh, last week we crossed over into a new year. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you are new listening to us, you will uh, soon find out we are walking through all the movies Disney made from 1988 to 2005, better known as our childhood, our upbringing. Mm-hmm. And every time we cross into a new year, we like to take a trip down memory lane crack open the old newspapers and see what was happening during that time period and uh, review those things for you here. Cause we're not just a Disney podcast. No, this is also a place to learn something about history. Learn and what, what went down something. 
learn Eddie, what something. were you doing in 2001? What was the most important thing to you in your life in 2001? This was eighth grade? So 2001, you know, we uh, went we, from, we you know, went we, high school. eighth grade into, fr- we went into high school in 2001. Yep. So fall of 2001 is when we started our freshman year, which that's a big deal mm-hmm. to go to begin high school. Um, this was uh, right as my family was doing all of our big summer road trips where we would take like three to four weeks out of the summer and go do something really big. And so this was the summer we had done like uh, the mid-Atlantic states, spent a big chunk of time in in uh, Washington, D.C., you know, the the epic American trip to D.C. to go to all the museums and everything. And I was the abnormal kid. You know, I was not bored rolling my eyes. I loved every second and every museum and going through and doing all those things. So uh, that was the summer uh, of t- 2001 that I as I remember it, as I recall, as I remember. What about you? I remember that fall being a big one because I was playing high school soccer. Yeah. I, I want it, it technically was varsity soccer, but that would imply that there was a non-varsity team that you could have been on, and that was not the case. There was one team, so I was... And playing is more like I was on... I did make the team. I was on the team, but that was it. Like That's all I did that year was just... I remember specifically my parents... My dad you, coming. Did you get in? You got into some games. Uh, maybe. I don't know if I got into very much of anything, but I, I specifically remember my my dad coming to or my mom, one of the two, coming to one of the games where I had zero chance of playing and they kindly sat in their vehicle nearby the field because it was pouring down rain and bitter oh. cold and i would i oh. did not begrudge them whatsoever for doing that um they should not have come out to any of the games because there was no way i was going to play so that's what i remember about freshman year specifically that's the memory coming to my head but eddie you've got actual american political facts for us from 2001 well, yes, and let's let's start with the obvious one that soon defined the year um, and defined all of our uh, our generation in high school for sure, uh, and that was the September 11th attacks. Um, are, I, I think most people who were of somewhat older age, you know, I would say anybody over ten years old maybe can like recall that day with vivid. Vivid memory, vivid recall. I know I can just kind of think through. Um, one of the distinct things that I remember of that day is our first class of the day was geography with Mrs. Wilmont. Uh, one of my favorite teachers of all time. Love, love geography mm-hmm. with Mrs. Wilmont. But in particular, this day stands out because one, we had the big tube TVs up on this, like bolted up on the bolted the to wall, the corner, kind of <laughs> bolted up in the corner, and all we did that day was just watch the news. I think that's what most anybody and everybody did because we found out uh, of the attacks as we're driving at a school. I remember my sister and I driving in, and at like they broke into the radio station and announced what was going on. So that kind of defined the day. But I remember our, 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 our then uh, geography teacher, Ms. Wilmot pulling down a map as a geography teacher would and going, you know, if they really wanted to hurt the United States, they would drop a nuclear bomb on Indianapolis. And we were all like, <gasps> you know, like, Nobody breathed for like five minutes as she's explaining this. And she's like, over half of the U.S. population is within a day's drive of any. And she starts like legitimately breaking this down like she was a terrorist mastermind, (laughs) you know, and, and and had thought through this in great detail and everything. And it terrified the living daylights out of us little freshmen because as she's explaining it, we see up behind her on the TV screen. The two towers in flames, you know, all of this going on and is like terrified. But yes, September 11, 2001, you cannot talk about the year 2001 and not uh, bring that up, which 
begins everything, right? You have the war on terror, the U.S. invades Afghanistan there shortly thereafter. It defines, you know, President Bush's, George W. Bush's whole presidency, but this is in his first term, everything like that. So, yeah, that's a, a very defining moment, not just for the year, but for the decades to come. The rest of this is going to pale in comparison to September yeah. 11th. And do you remember that? Do you remember that as well as I do, Mrs. Wilmot? One hundred percent. Eddie is not telling you a lie. That's a hundred percent what she did. Now she also incorporated, like, gave us the entire backstory to a group I'd never known of before called the Taliban. That we got a. She knew full, all of it. She knew. She's like she was ready to go. It's almost like she, she like felt it coming and she did her homework the night before. Nope, this is all just immediate recall for all of us students just so that we could uh, be educated to the highest degree. She was the same teacher that we had to map the entire world by memory. One country, one like, little country. Or we, were, time. we were given graph paper and it was just like draw, not just the continents. I think most people can maybe like somewhat get the continents on paper, but every individual country and know the name. And to this day, I like if you play one of those like geography games or whatever that goes through social media, I can get like above 90 percent, which is not half bad for most people. Mine is nowhere near that. But I do know more than the I've, average person that Jimmy Kimmel asks on uh, on the street in Los Angeles. Yes, <laughs> I love that segment. I love that segment. I, I get incredibly frustrated. But yeah. So unless. uh terrifying news <laughs> from 2001 <laughs> here's some segue here's some, segue from that segue from hitler there we go uh sports 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 <laughs> we got the buccaneers won their one and their first super bowl up until the recently um man who must not be named won them a super bowl a couple years ago uh, the Arizona Diamondbacks won the World Series. Completely forgot about this, but Brad Johnson, may you, uh, or whatever your name is, that their their legendary pitcher who can't even remember his name anymore. But you know, I can keep going, going. Uh, NBA, the Lakers won their second in the middle of this three-peat with Shaq and Kobe uh, before their ultimate demise. Uh, then we also get uh, for my grandpa, may he rest in peace. Also, Dale Earnhardt, may he rest in peace. This is the year of his tragic accident. Dying, that was my grandfather's uh, favorite NASCAR driver. That was, that was February. That was during the Daytona 500. I, I was watching that when that happened. That, that was, was a, like, that was weird. That was surreal. That was a big, big deal. I think my, my I distinctly remember my grandfather's truck having Dale Earnhardt yeah. mud flaps on it. Uh, that yeah. was his level of dedication, so... I had to include him here, even though he's not as big of a name now. Uh, but then we also had uh, Barry Bonds, uh, maybe maybe breaking that home run record a little bit against against the rules, but um, that was a big deal as well with him uh, breaking the home run record right after the Sammy Sosa and uh, Mark McGuire years, all of which have gone on to. I think they've all been kept out of. Uh, Canton because of or not Canton uh, out of the hall uh, Major League Baseball Hall of Fame because of all yeah. the things but it was still a huge thing that happened in the moment this was a huge year for entertainment there was a lot of stuff that was dropping and coming out during this time uh, let's start with arguably the uh, the more important the greatest band U2 I was not a fan of U2 at this time I found you two uh, about four years later in college um, and have since become a rather huge, huge fan. But this is the year that um, Beautiful Day hits, becomes number one. The album had dropped the previous year, All That You Can't Leave Behind. Uh, but this is Beautiful Day, which has kind of become uh, one of their biggest hits, one of their biggest songs. And if you remember... The Super Bowl of 2002, so the Super Bowl after 9-11, they, they were the band for the halftime show at the Super Bowl. Yep. And they do this song. They do all of their big songs. And this is when they drop the scrim in the middle of the stadium and scroll all the names of the people who had died during 9-11 or it's because crazy. of 9-11. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's crazy that this song hit 
then that happened and then they were the halftime show and it just kind of all worked together. And that was probably one of the biggest moments in halftime history, right? I, you know, that's definitely up there as, as one of the big moments. But yeah, uh, other big things. Uh, Harry Potter starts off its movie career. Uh, this is when Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone movie drops and we get which I think is still the biggest franchise of all time. I might be wrong on that one, but I think it is the the highest grossing movie franchise of all time. It's hard to think that Marvel isn't, though. Do they not consider Marvel I, because it's so many different movies and characters and stuff? I think that's what it that's is. That's got to be it, right? Um, that's got to be it. I'll double check. Yeah, I mean, if, if, they, if they count Marvel as a franchise, um, but like usually franchise, you're talking like... Um, James Bond, um, Mission Impossible, things like that, that are a little more tight. But maybe they do. I don't know. Um, Let's not forget here, probably our favorite movie of all time came out this year. Uh, Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring drops December of 2001. I completely forgot that these two franchises started the same year. That's insane. That's That's incredible. Well, you think about it, I would say, so, you know, in the world going on around us, 9-11 defined our generation, our high school. Specifically, those four years, this is all people talked about, you know, this was before things started to kind of get a little suspect here and there on on other fronts. Um, And then I would say amongst us as our friendship Probably the most defining thing just from like a fun friends creative thing was Lord of the Rings. Yep. We re- we read The Hobbit in freshman year English class with Mrs. Strakowski and then boom, the first movie hits. We all start reading them. Um, we, we, I mean, we learn all to drive and then hit. we can go to go ourselves to the premiere of it. We're doing like midnight premieres. Yeah, I mean, we're... Then by our senior year, we're like making our Beowulf movie, which is like heavily inspired. Movie. Should get that on YouTube. By the sometime. things that we, I would put that thing. Oh, on, I would not. put that thing on YouTube if I wasn't afraid of Chris Litcher coming to get me, him finding out, oh, he and would. he would come after me and use his military training that has nothing to do. I was with gonna himself. say he's an officer in the Air Force. You better be careful. Yeah, um, yeah. Oh, I wouldn't do um, that to Chris. Best, best picture. Best picture is Gladiator. Which another, you know, that's a movie we would go and watch all the time together. Um, and a fantastic movie at that. Uh, Shrek comes out. This is kind of the first non-Pixar, di- you know, uh, computer hit, animated yeah, film series. to hit, to, to go big. Um, I didn't know this until you put this in the show notes. This is when the Odyssey Network gets rebranded to the Hallmark Channel. Yeah, because this is a big moment Hallmark, in pop the, culture. Hallmark, the card company, was a was a bought the rights, um, the the controlling rights for this network, and they rebranded it because they were like they wanted it to be have a better, um, more identifiable name to it. I was like, that's such a funny little nugget to include to uh, just and, hide in there. And now. How many you know new Hallmark Channel Christmas movies do they put out a year? It's it's a, it's its own genre. Hallmark movies and Hallmark holiday movies are their own genre now because of this. But I mean, it's like over a hundred new movies a year or something like that. I mean, it's crazy. It's insane. But they've they figured out the formula. They figured out what the what the people want or what some of the people want. I'm not one of those people, but a lot of people. Neither a, a lot I. of people. In case you were hoping we were going to start a Hallmark movie, channel movie podcast, I'm sorry to let you down. That's never happened. You're going to be let down uh, pretty hard on this. But what we weren't let down by was the uh, the craziness of the launch of iTunes, which was insane. Do you remember the Pepsi ads where if you, some of the Pepsi bottles, you could get a mm-hmm. free song from that? That might have mm-hmm. been the year after this. I can't remember exactly, but that was such a big deal of like pop open a Pepsi Pepsi ball and look underneath and see if you got it. And it was a big deal. Oh, we got a free song. I got a, got a free song here, but iTunes launched here and is the second, which to t- tie that into you two, if the original icon for artists was a silhouette of Bono. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. Just to fanboy out here, but 
<laughs> just take take the take the stage and do whatever you want to with it, Eddie. Um, comp- whereas Napster illegally changed the music industry, this legally destroyed the music industry for a long time. Um, up until Spotify when they figured out how to make money again. Uh, couple couple sad notes. We got uh, Enron. This is when they filed for bankruptcy. Uh, one of the big disasters of all time. There's lots of documentaries and podcasts, et cetera, about this. Uh, in continuation with all the terrorist stuff, we had the shoe bomber uh, who was gloriously named, even though he never actually set a bomb off. But that's, I think this really escalated all of the security um, and why we have to do everything that we have to do now is because of this dude right here, for sure. Yeah, and you had the anthrax envelopes going around. Like, this was just a crazy year of, like, not knowing what's safe anymore. Mm-hmm. I think it was right before this, because uh, you could go all the way to the gate. All the way to the gate at the, at the air, at the, for the, in the airports and watch people come no. back on. I remember, you know, my grandma used to fly me to where they lived in Minnesota or Kansas City, and uh, my parents would literally walk me right up to the gate. I'd go get on the plane, fly, you know, it'd be a direct flight. I'd get off the flight, and my grandmother was standing right there at the gate. Different times, Eddie. Different times. But then post 9-11, nope. Thanks, Shoe Bomber. Uh, Last Mm -hmm. little bit is GameCube. Nintendo's successor to the N64 came out and uh wah, wah. <laughs> there's some there's some fun times with the GameCube, mostly uh Kale Bull- sure. Bullock had one. So we played played a lot of that at his at his house. But that- when I started uh up in Chicago working at a youth group, they had a GameCube and they were all like, How do you know how to play this? I'm like, high school, don't worry. High school. That is it. That is it for the 2001 history that I could dredge up. I'm sure I'll remember. I'll forget stuff and we'll find it in the next time we do this. But even though we're a week late, Eddie, glad we could go down. It's kind of crazy yet exciting. Yeah, it's a big year. It was a, it, it's an underrated year. If you don't, if you like just looking at it, like thinking about everybody thinks of Y2K, but then 2001 was probably more impactful in just the more ripple consequential. of more consequential. So. But speaking of consequential, the movie we were talking about and its CGI in animation was consequential. As we uh, break into deeper into 2001, as we review Atlantis, The Lost Empire. Cue the Disney sound effect. Okay, IMDb description for Atlantis, The Lost Empire. Here we go for that. A young linguist named Milo Thatch joins an intrepid group of explorers to find the mysterious lost continent of Atlantis. End scene. (laughs) Good job on that one, Disney. Good job. Don't give too much away. Good job on your your delivery there. Well, thank you. I appreciate that, Eddie. That's high praise. High praise. Mm-hmm. Eddie, when did you first see this film? In theaters. Wow. Okay. Was it a fun experience? Was um, it like a riveting, rollicking? Were you like going home, like ready to research more about Atlantis itself? Um, I don't know if I remember. You know, that was. Uh, I don't know if we were full into the like. Like now, yes, I would have come home and like spent an hour on the internet researching everything I could possibly find. Uh, I don't know if that was all available then. This movie piqued my interest from the trailer. You know, I remember this, you know, trailer dropping uh, specials kind of being mentioned and talked about it on the Disney Channel and different things like that. Um that, you know, I, I've always loved these types of adventure movies. Um, and so this just intrigued me from the very beginning. And I, I, in, I have a lot of love and joy and respect for just the overall premise and the originality of this. Like, we've, we had never gotten a Disney animated film quite like this before. This was um, new on so many levels. Um, which, you know, has been a theme in the past couple of movies, I think, from um, 
from Tarzan on, you know, they were trying to try something a little bit different, you know, then we get Emperor's New Groove, which is a lot different. Um, this is very much in that same kind of flow of them trying something different. Do you remember seeing this? Was this a theater I do, view? I don't. Was this a home video? So this is pre before we were allowed to go to theaters. <laughs> still, a, okay. still a couple years. We have a, still a couple more years to go on that. That funniness. But uh, I don't rem- I don't remember watching it any time around the f- time when it first came out. I'm now that we're getting into high school, not watching cartoons as much. Not unless it's like major things. I know you were still in, in the throes of of wanting to watch all this. I was trying I'm to be still too a nerd. Cool. I was trying to be too cool for school and didn't really care for stuff like this. Um, I don't know that I, you've always been cooler than me. Let's, <laughs> let's just on, let's just put that out there. I don't know about that. Between the two of us, JB's the cool one. I'm the loser. I, I don't, I don't know about that. That is not true whatsoever. Uh, I, I, I know that I've seen this. I don't know that I've, this is, I don't know if this is true or not, but I feel like this is the first time I have actually seriously sat down and watched it beginning to end with the, with actually watching it. Like, I'm pretty sure that I was babysitting some kid, a kid who watched this and it was on, but I wasn't really engaged with it. So it kind of felt like a first go through, even though I had kind of already experienced it so i know that there's a cult cult following and people that really really love it but i had not been a part of that group um hadn't really watched it even though i know that that's a big deal like you had said for yourself yeah i mean if you um there's there's plenty of articles out there um you know kind of detailing this they they were making a conscious effort to try something new um and I need to check this out. What year did the Iron Giant come out? Oh, I know that's not a Disney movie. So the Iron Giant came out in 19, 1999. Yes. 1999. This is, and it's distributed by Warner Brothers. Um, I think with, with Iron Giant, I mean, I am no, nowhere near being like a expert historian or whatever on animation. But there's a clear kind of start to shift in the uh, in the overall genre of animation. Um, and that's that's even, you know, loosely termed. Uh, there's a famous interview with Brad Bird, who's the director of the Iron Giant, goes on to do things like The Incredibles, Ratatouille for uh, for Pixar, um, who was originally at uh, Disney Animation Studios. He talks about how animation is not a genre and don't call it a genre. It is a medium. Like you would never call live action a genre. It is it is the medium in which this is this is being presented. And I think with these films, we start to see that take root. And let's okay, let's explore that. Let's start to try that a little bit. Let's let's push the the envelope with that. Because with the Iron Giant, we get this huge kind of space robot epic, uh, but it's animation, you know, and we've not really seen, you know, up to this point, um, you know, things needed to be somewhat little more kind of musical or really lighthearted, kind of, you know, comical in nature. And, you know, I think this is Disney's first attempt to say, no, let's. Let's try an action adventure, science fiction film in in the medium of of animation. And there and there are some moments where this hits. And there's some moments, I'll be honest, where yeah, you feel it, where it's like, okay, this isn't this isn't working story wise, or this or that. But for overall, I I give huge credit to just how the effort and how they tried to do that. Does that make sense? I can see that. Yep. Um, You know, one of the cool things that they do with this is they animated to uh, a 166 ratio. Um, I'm sorry, not to a a 230, not the the bigger uh, panoramic. Yeah, sorry. Um, Wider screen. Yep. They they animated that. So to animate at that, 
they literally had to go out and buy every animator at Walt Disney Studios a bigger draft table (laughs) and buy and buy new paper. I mean, they redid everything. They animated in that full panoramic scope. And and you feel that. I think there's some moments, you know, we just rewatched Tarzan again because Lewis loves it so much. And there's some moments in Tarzan that really feel kind of cinematic. But in this movie, I think the majority of the shots and the and the setups of this really feel like some big cinematic adventure. At least to me, it does. Well, the opener is just, I literally just typed, I wrote down what an opener. Like the intensity, the opening up with a giant literal bang, and then the water rushing in. And they're trying to save themselves, and you got something like scanning the people and pulling this woman, the the mom out of out of there, and then this giant orb that's protecting them. And you get the Leviathan that are like like rushing past and stuff like that. This the, it was it was at a hundred from the from the moment this movie started. Those first it's only two minutes, but it felt like a long. It felt like five to ten minutes of just that opening sequence taking place, and it just kind of sets the tone. Not sets the tone for the entire thing, but just like gets the thing like punched right in the face with all of these visuals and action. And this is not um, typical Disney animation at this point. It's whereas you could tell like we rewatched um, uh, Rescuers Down Under and you it's pretty obvious. I know that was several like a 10 years before that or whatever, but it's pretty obvious when they're using CGI and basically up until maybe a couple a year before this it's still obvious this obviously there's a lot in it that but they've mixed the two together more so well. be- more beautifully than they had in uh any other attempt before this which i thought was was really really well done on that level of that opener for especially loved the stuff with the hot air balloon the like those two sequences um for sure stood apart from the rest of it yeah the overall just art direction of this whole movie is really i I find it fun you know it's kind of a um uh a jules verne-esque uh future um with maybe just a little bit of steampunk not enough to be kind of like the weird steampunk but just uh just a little hint here and there to give it enough of a retro future feel well i think they would have had more but then that really cool sweet ship that's like iconic from this doesn't even make it 20 minutes into this film i know i know that was so sad it is sweet i know because it is it's a sweet sweet setup and you kind of get a little bit of it with when they're fighting the leviathan as well which is also like a um mechanical creature and then that's it. Then the rest of the time is on foot, like digging through the ground and trying to get to Atlantis. And then you're in this tropical world for a little bit. And you never, other than the digger to some degree, you don't get a full um, taste of that Jules Verne um, steampunk. You you will get it more in an upcoming film with Treasure Planet. but For sure. Um, and I for sure sometimes mix these two movies up together <laughs> at times. Yeah. Um, but I will say that, that yeah, anytime they kind of, especially in the opening, the first 20 minutes of this film, when they've leaned heavily into that, I really enjoyed that ride aspect of this. Uh, this has got an incredible voice cast too. Um, the lead, Milo, being voiced by Michael J. Fox. I literally told my wife, hey, What's that voice? I, that's a super recognizable voice. Why do I know that voice? She's like, it's Michael J. Fox. It's <laughs> like, that's right. Uh, James Gardner is in this as well. Uh, spoiler alert, uh, ends up being the the bad guy in all of this. Bum, bum, um, but just, again, like just, yeah, just a really, I, I thought there was a, for this movie, for this style of movie, and you see it coming, like it's not like a surprise. No, um, but just a good, a good bad guy for this, uh, for this style of story. The surprise one in here that I didn't recognize, and I should have. I feel bad that I didn't know it, but Leonard, Leonard Big. Nimoy, getting him to be the Atlantean king, 
doesn't have a ton of lines in this in this, but is still but a major still, part. Still, Leonard Nimoy is voicing a character in a Disney animated film. That that's a pretty big deal. That's a pretty it's a pretty pretty big deal. Do we want to talk yeah, about some of the side that, uh, char- side characters in this film? Yeah, let's fi- let's go through this because I think this is the side characters. I think Milo is a good uh, main plucky. character. You're plucky, Not, like plucky. There, you know, I wouldn't say he's the strongest. You know, I mean, they're like, um, and I don't just mean that in physical strength. I mean that just from like character development. There's, I think they could have done a little bit more there with Milo's character to, to make a him a little more with, intriguing. Could have done a lot more with Kira. <laughs> she's a ton. She work. is an we'll afterthought in this in this thing. But I think it's the side characters together that really round this up. Do you have a, a list in front of you to, to yep. punch through? So uh, first off, we got to talk about with the first guy we meet, Moliere. The guy that likes to dig around in the dirt, who's basically a rodent. <laughs> basically is a mole in this, Moliere. Yeah. Um, he's the first guy that sticks out because he's so weird. The dirt, the dirt, don't disturb the don't, dirt. Don't disturb the dirt. And he's like freaking out because he's sitting on the dirt. Um he grabs you your attention right away because he's obviously the weirdest of these characters. But the one that I, I, that I just, I, I, sometimes I would laugh and sometimes I would just be in awe of the just weird delivery and awe and just, just there, there isn't another character that I've totally seen like him. And that's Vinny, the dynamite guy. Uh, his line, his line, Milo, you got something sporty, like a, like a tuna. Like I, He's got so many hints of different people, like a little bit of a New Yorker, a little bit of a um, German or Romanian or something like European. And the the I just I I couldn't understand everything that he was saying, but I just wanted to hear him talk. I don't know what the, what else to put it, but I just wanted to hear more of him. He's got the the oh uh, gunpowder, nitroglycerin, notepads, fuses, wigs, glue, <laughs> paper clips, big ones. You know, just uh, office supplies. <laughs> you know, office supplies. Mrs. Office supplies. Mrs. Packard. Uh, she's the uh, prototypical um, caller. What's the What's the name of it? Where they would like connect the calls to the right places, like the switchboard operator kind of lady yeah switchboard lady this yeah, is still operator this is still part of uh the end of disney's um smoking period or most of it it's history yeah. so you still get a little bit of little of that in there but she's when is when's the last movie that they allowed smoking i remember being a big deal when we went to college they talked about this that there was like that was a big yeah. deal that like disney had said hey we're not going to have smoking in in here anymore well and now they give you a warning warning like before you watch atlantis there's a little (laughs) warning layer this contains tobacco it's like well it doesn't contain tobacco yeah yeah i love um jim varney it voices cookie which is just yes he he he, he's the he, he voices slinky dog in the toy story series um uh has such such a distinguished voice um i i love so many of his uh of kind of his lines and and delivery in this uh in this movie as as cookie the cook yeah i think that uh, just the culmination of these side kind of characters kind of elevate this movie to better than the story itself necessarily lends itself to like they kind of helped keep keep the keep you interested and keep you engaged yeah from i mean you've got uh dr sweet you've got uh audrey ramirez the the mechanic you know you've just got a good uh even uh lieutenant sinclair who's kind of the second in command uh tortured character there a little bit at the end um yeah you just got these great um it's a it's a great amalgamation. Let me use that word. I think that there's just an alchemy there of these little bit characters, these uh that just kind of come together and form this fun ragtag team of of explorers. And I like those moments when they're all kind of together there bantering, either making fun of Milo or when they first bring him in and everything. Um and then at the very end when they're all working together, you kind of see all of that. Really what's funny about this film is 
I started kind of losing a little bit of interest in it after they get to Atlantis. And it's yeah, kind of like this. I got, I'm getting vibes of Pocahontas and uh, Avatar and some of those other books. Okay, you've gotten to the real world, but whereas the other ones kind of made it this like really majestic place, it almost seemed kind of sad. <laughs> like Atlantis itself was kind of kind of sad. They're not even using their technology because they for they just stopped trying to figure out how to do uh, make these motorized systems work and stuff when all they had to do was hold their hand over it still. Um, the, everyone's just kind of resigned to the life that they're living um, other than Kita herself, um, who is the chief, like the chief's daughter or whatever. Um, but it was just so funny how like once they actually got in there, that's where I was like least excited about what was going on and started, started to lose energy at that point. I don't know how, how you felt about that. I'm I'm right there with you. I think I would have preferred to have not seen an Atlantis that was, I don't know, in disrepair or, you know, like, <laughs> uh, oh, we're we're down on our luck. You know, there was there was a little bit there that you kind of you're excited. You're right there with Milo in this adventure to go and you get there and you see it. And it's like, never mind. You know, it's like mm. it echoes. I, it, it echoes <laughs> another movie that. I may have mentioned in the past and may have said at one point, that's my guilty pleasure film. And that is Tomorrowland. You get all the way to Tomorrowland and it's great. That is a great comparison because I love Tomorrowland all the way up until they get there. And then you're like super let down. Oh, (laughs) and I think what it is, is it's, it's depressing. Like you Mm -hmm. just like both places are just kind of sad and depressing and then, I mean, this movie picks up when you've kind of got the little bit of the fight at the end and, and everything. But I think what is hard about all of that is um, I I don't get the whole heart of Atlantis crystal thing. Let's 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 park here for a second. Yes. Possessing somebody or like uh, taking them or whatever. And, and I think what's hard with that, too, is you're totally right. Kida is such a one-dimensional character. Like, she doesn't even get two dimensions. It's just, like, one. Um, Which is odd, because you've had all of these great little side characters all leading up to this moment that don't have many lines, but they're they're fully flushed out and dimensional, and you're enjoying that. There's something unique about each one of them. Yeah. Yeah, and then you get there, and, like... Not even vanilla ice cream. Like that's that's not even her. A good comparison. Her best moment in that whole thing is her line: "You are a scholar, are you not? Judging by your diminished physique and large forehead, you are suited for nothing else." I was like, <laughs> "That was the highlight. That was the best thing she yeah. said in the entire thing." And I was like, "I have to get this down. I may have had to Google it afterwards." But you're right. Like they like she doesn't really give anything unique to the story and it's so sad because like this is supposed to be the big draw and it's like oh it's milo meeting someone from the people that he studied for so long and she doesn't give much other than help us figure it out we don't know what we're doing either that's that's it that's that that's what you got and kind of pulling your dad to like let the new people in and oh that's also the wrong wrong decision he shouldn't have let them in Well, and then you have that moment of, yeah, when the guy, you know, oh, he's the bad guy. Oh, I'm going to hold her captive until you do that. Like that whole, it just doesn't feel like the stakes don't feel real. Like you're you're not invested enough in here. No. Yeah. And you're just kind of going, okay. You know, and then there's like, well, where is the heart of the Atlantis? Atlantis?" And And the reveal it, yeah, the reveal is presented as it's like, whoa. It's but you don't the feel that at the all. whole time. It took him two time, seconds. Yeah. Two seconds yeah. to figure it out. Like, I wanted a little bit of a, of a treasure hunt in that moment. Like, okay, give us. Like, national treasure. Give us, like, Milo having to figure. Yeah, give us, give me a little national treasure. Like, there, figure out some clues. Put this together. So connect here, this. Like, this is the thing. The necklace. Yeah, something. I don't know. So, this is the thing. The more we keep talking about this, the more we realize that this storyline is kind of picked and pulled apart from other stories. We've said Pocahontas and other things like that. But this is also 
Tomorrow, Tomorrowland has some shades. Now, granted, this movie came out before that, so I can't say that it's that. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, the other one is like the whole crazy grandfather that nobody believed in, and I'm carrying on his lineage. Uh, that's National Treasure takes that takes that on itself too, too with Nicolas it, it, Cage it, later on. But and I think you're hitting something good. This movie has so many great elements to it. I just that. What happens there in Atlantis should bring all of those elements together and you should feel this crescendo and the opposite happens where it's just like blah and you don't ever fully recover from it. Even though there's there's that kind of cool little. It gets weirder. You get a it gets weirder. Yes. When she like ascends into the heart and possess and then they put her in the cage like and I, they had I don't know that. Like, like, had they planned on it? Yeah, like they had the cage ready to go. Like, like how did they know that this was perfectly? I don't, I don't understand that. I don't. It took me a while to figure. Oh, well, I don't even get like if if she's if if that happens so that she can protect the city. Why can they just lock her up so easily? And like she's defenseless. She goes in willingly. It's not even. She's not even trying. It's like the. The the gemstone being whatever that has a they say it's got a consciousness of its own like takes her mom then they protect the city but the mom doesn't get out but Kira do, Kira Thank does you. so as as I'm soon so as confused. Kita comes back yeah I'm confused too like as soon as Kita comes back I'm going well does well where's the mom does the mom get to come back and it also doesn't feel like. It, like it actually did that. Where'd good she go? Pro- yeah, it doesn't feel like it, they, it protected itself very well. If it's like it didn't even right. create the bubble right when Kita takes over, it it like waits to do that until a later point when the first I'm and then there's something about the 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 father. He's like tried to use it as a weapon, and maybe that's what set off. Like they don't explain or even give you much to go on. It's. And there's like the eternal style protectors that are come up and stand up. It's like there's so many random things in the mythology of this crystal that they almost tell you too much, but not the right things. I was or just, not enough. It was it was yeah. tripping. I was tripping watching watching this going like, where did any of this stuff come from? Well, and I think what needed to uh, one of two things should have happened. Um, if I were to go back and rewrite this script, I would the the little bits of the first half that we get are so good. I love the you know journey to the center of the earth style adventure. Give me more of that and less of Atlantis. That's that's option one. Like boom, we arrive to Atlantis and we've traversed all of this adversity and uh, here we are. And then. There's the reveal. He's really the bad guy, and we got to fight it out for for the the real treasure we find. But just keep that section shorter, or like get to Atlantis and it's full fledged, and give me more dynamic characters, and give me a stronger understanding of that world. You you had such a clear world building at the beginning. It almost makes the fact that it's weak at the end even weaker because it's so strong at the beginning. It's like the pitch is, hey, let's do like Journey of the Center of the Earth and we can do this and we can do this and we can do blah, 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 blah. Oh yeah, that's a great idea. That's a great idea. But where are they going? Where where are they going to end up? I don't know. Let's just, let's say they end up at Atlantis. Oh, okay. Yeah, Atlantis is cool. Yeah, and they find some crystal thing or whatever. Oh, we'll figure it out. <laughs> Spoiler alert. They didn't you figure didn't. it out. They did not figure it out. Which is hard because I... I want to absolutely unequivocally just love this movie. I want to just like wholeheartedly step out and be like, five gummy worms, best movie Disney's ever made. Like I, I want to just because of the genre and just trying something totally new, but I can't cause it's, it's not, it's not an, it's not there. It didn't, uh, didn't, it didn't finish strong enough there for it. The part where but it's it, got so many great elements. The part of it that really ended poorly for me and jumped the shark, if you would say, is when Rourke turns into a crystal 
ray like red monster or something for two yes. seconds yeah he, he first off gets the prototypical the bad guy has nothing left to lose and his and his his plan is completely falling apart and he's just got to kill the the hero so he goes into that that level but then the the touching hit like cutting him with the glass from near kira in the in the case turns him into something else we have never seen and never see again. I'm so confused what that is too, but that's where I was just like, yeah, this is just not, not, this is really poorly done on the whole, the most crucial part of this world building. Yeah. You just didn't land it. He didn't stick the landing, Um, but it was a great ride. The bracelet too. She somehow has her mom's bracelet at the end. Is that what, is that what I was seeing? She's like holding, holding the well, bracelet. Yeah, because at at the at the opening when her mom gets taken up, she's holding her mom's hand. So did she reunite and, with like, her mom? Is that what happened? No, she's as she's going up, she is like holding on, holding on, and her mom slips out, and the bracelet is like falls down, and she catches the bracelet. But why is that, she holding the bracelet? The when I just don't understand why they put so much emphasis on holding the bracelet when she leaves the gem or whatever the, the the eddie is literally holding his hand up in the air and looking sad and forlorn for all of you podcast listeners i know i'm why i i want to defend this like i want to be like no, no but it was not. good but there's i have no ground to stand on there's i which is uh, yeah it's just so frustrating because i look at this and i go man it it was not a huge commercial success it's been a more cult, um, made, cult, cult favorite, cult following. It has since. held on. It has held on. It had a budget of 120 million, which is a lot for an animated film at the time, and that, you know because it was a whole new animation style. And it grossed uh, 186 million at the box office. So made some money, but it's not a huge hit like uh, many, you know, were. Um, and it's uh, sad because. I immediately jump to this and go, there's so many cool ride potentials in a Disney park for this. You know, like if this were was a ended well as a good movie, I think it could have been a bigger commercial success and we could have gotten some really cool Disney park stuff out of this because the the initial pitch is so good. It's so solid. The first half of this movie is so good. Did they bring any of this to the parks at all? No. Um, on like rare ticketed events, they will bring out Milo and Kita. Um, but that's about all that we ever get. They'll they'll do a few kind of little like little special merchandise drops, pins, or this or that. Cause it does, it still does have a, a strong cult following. But um, yeah, no. <sighs> Which is so sad. Cause can you see imagine this, right? Like a sweet Adventureland ride, easily. Or at least turning this submarine instead of Nemo. In yeah, Atlantis. Oh yeah, that's why. That's what that would be a really good one. So I have to, I have to nod, give a nod to James Newton Howard. Uh, he is back again. This is his second movie after Dinosaur with Disney. I love the soundtrack to this movie. Um, it is one we listen to quite often. Lewis will now even request that we listen to this. Um, he asked for the city movie. Can we listen to the city movie music? Um, and that's uh, so. Yeah. I, have you have you ever just pulled it out and just listened to just this? No, I kind of want to now. But the other thing that's going through my you head should and listen specifically to the submarine track. Okay. the The thing I'm wondering is what is the most trash Disney soundtrack? in your mind like what's the worst that you're like this was really badly done has there ever been one and is their goal and is their 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 trash someone else's everybody else's gold oh that might be something i need to take some time to think through because i mean we're talking well i i was not a big fan of mulan i, I there's a few songs that i like from mulan but i think as a as a whole it doesn't doesn't hold up. Are you saying that I say this too often? Is that what's was? That I'm what's not happening? saying anything, Eddie. I'm I'm literally just 
I, I was curious over over if you had to choose something that you didn't a, a soundtrack you didn't like detested. Is there does one even exist for you? I don't know if I would say like detest because I I just okay. like I like score music in general. Um, there's just I just don't listen to them. Okay, you know what I mean. And, and the score is different. Oh, let me let me take this the opposite direction. We we listen to the score for Encanto all the time. Not the soundtrack, the score. Don't get me wrong. Soundtrack, amazing. Some of the best songs Lin-Manuel Miranda has written. But the score Jermaine Franco did for Encanto is incredible. It's amazing. So I think I more gravitate. I, I just don't think of it. I'm not pessimistic like you. I, I'm the, ha- the glass is half full. I'm not going to think through. Pessimistic like, oh, like I me. I, I, see what, I see what you're doing there. <laughs> uh, no, I just, I, I like James Newton Howard. So I think I've called out every, his uh, more specifically, because I do like his style. But I have to think about that. Is there one that I detest? Where it's like, no, I don't want to listen to that at all. Challenge accepted. Oh, oh you, no. You thought of uh, one? Yeah, we talked about it. Yeah, Emperor's New Groove. I do not like the score for Emperor's New Groove. I like the um, the little opener uh, theme song thing, you know, that um, what's his face saying? I can't remember now. But for the rest of it, no. And then the ending credit song is just horrific. Does not fit well <laughs> at all. It is, it's because yeah. you don't like Sting. I got it. You don't like Sting. I like Sting. I like Sting a lot more after the first season of uh, Only Murders in the Building. Um, but yeah, I, that just didn't work for me at all on any level. Also a great channel track. The intro for their song. I need to, we yes. need to get on on finishing up the episodes because I know that the they dropped the season finale or about to drop the season finale, so. Is it today or tomorrow? I don't know because we're As several we're several episodes was... behind, so we got to catch up. Okay, we're we're right on, and uh, we usually watch it on Tuesday nights. So, but yeah, I would say go listen to specifically the submarine. I have a playlist called Disney Epic, and uh, that is that's one of the first ones up. So, Eddie, do you want me to go first, or do you want to go first on ranking the fruit snack rating I... of this movie? Do you do you feel tortured on this one at all, or am I the only one? No, I kind of knew the one I was going to go with, and I've kind of been more solidified the longer we've gone on here. So for me, I, I, I don't know why I'm hesitating right now. I just I feel like I'm having to about to break because your heart. you are there I'm is deep it. conflict within you. There's not deep conflict. I sense it. I feel, I feel my, gut, the my gut is my you. gut is is resolved that I'm okay. going to give this. Because of the fact that the story itself is so poor, I don't really, I don't really have any great quotes from this film, which has been has started to become an even bigger identifier of how much I love the films. If there's something to talk about after it, or just that I remember from it, I don't have a childhood memory from it. I, um, the action was fun. The Atlantis was a letdown. There was no good bad guy in this film. There's no great like singular person. Uh, so that's why I'm going to give it a two. Whoa! Wow! I it, it, I will play it in the background while packing luggage some sometime, but it is not something that it's not a story that I am just dying to 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 reconvene with. Wow! That's sorry. People people matter more than action. Um. Yeah, so I was floating. Yeah, I was floating a lot higher. You're floating between um, a four and a half I, and a four. No, uh, I was. I'm. I'm going to give it a three point five. I think it is oh, that's just a, a a tick over there. Um, Sounds like you're giving again, it a lot of a lot of points for trying something new and being creative. Creative points. And, and I I love the until they get to Atlantis. That movie has me. Like I'm just loving it. I do think it's got some great quotes there with Vinny and Mole and the side characters with Cookie. That's literally half the movie. Um, yeah. Half the movie sucks. And it's great. <laughs> and, then, and then we get to Atlantis and it's like, right? Mm. But 
Uh, so yes, I am going to give it a 3.5. Um, cause I, I do, I do really, really, really like this movie. I just wish it could be more. Don't we all? And <laughs> Don't we all? Not, apparently not you. I do wish it was hey, more. I wish it was better. We live and we let learn. And with that, your life has forever been changed by another episode of Honey, We Made a Disney Podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to your other favorite podcasts. And while you're there, you know what? Could you please just leave us a five-star review? Please, that would just help us so much. Or even better yet, share it with some of your best friends that you would like to go on a journey to Atlantis with. (laughs) You can also check us out at honeywemade.com. And there you can see our full movie list as we continue to go through all of Disney's movies from 1988 to 2005 and go back, see some that we have already reviewed and what was our rating for those. And then also take a peek into the future and what's coming up. Like next week when we review The Princess Diaries. My wife is going to be And just to forewarn you, I have a serious crush on Julie Andrews. We're just going to put that out there. Not the person I thought you were going to say, but... I love Julie Andrews. Julie Andrews. But thank you for listening. And remember, Atlantis is waiting. 